Hi folks, Timothy Harvey here for Family Movie Nightmare. This is actually part two of our discussion of Channel Zero Season 3, Butcher's Block. And if you haven't heard part one, then I recommend going and finding it on our iTunes channel or our podcast.com channel and listening, because it's kind of the setup of what we do in this episode. I would also like to point out that this episode discusses mental illness from the perspective of both Nikki Kay and myself, who both deal with depression and anxiety issues. We have very strong opinions on the subject. That's just something we feel that you should know. And as always, we hope that you enjoy this episode of Family Movie Nightmare. Welcome to Family Movie Nightmare. So there's all of these different themes and and plot lines and storylines that could be used. And unfortunately, because of how poorly they're executed or how ham-fistedly they're presented to the audience, what I feel like ended up happening was, hey, gore is scary right? Mental illness is scary, right? Cults are scary, right? Pills are scary, right? Just, it was a lot of really cliche stuff being thrown at the viewer in some attempt at keeping their attention. And I, it ends up with a story that is ultimately how people with mental issues and and mental illness in and of itself, how they are depicted, is just frustrating and at times extremely insulting. There is a problem in media. It's a systemic problem that has real-life consequences where people with mental illness are depicted as ticking time bombs. And once their mental illness, like reaches a boiling point, they will become violent. Uh, And it is something that horror has done for a long, long time. Any kind of horror where you go to a mental asylum, it's probably there. And it has real-world consequences in that this people take the truths of the world from media. If you see someone depicted a certain way over and over and over again, that is going to sh- that is going to shape how you assume they are because media is really one of the one of the few ways people learn about things. If you don't have a someone with schizophrenia in your family, you might have no other experience with it than through shows like this one. And the that ends up painting mental uh, painting the mentally ill especially people who have manic episodes as inherently violent it results in people dying it results in people being hurt and abused people that cannot take care of themselves otherwise and or are are in a greater need than someone who is by all other accounts mentally well. Like, uh, neurotypical Mm -hmm. is the word I'm trying to find here. People who are neurotypical. 
And it's fucking frustrating to see a see a series of a of a season of a series that has otherwise handled things with with both nuance and respect and found new ways to make things horrifying see them resort to these extremely quote unquote classic horror tropes which we now know through scientific studies um fuck people over and most importantly people who are in the most need of care and respect and that's what this season really pisses me off and that's why i'm i'm going so hard at the um the use of uh people with dwarfism as an aspect of scary because it just you pair that with the uh, the um how mental illness is used as either like oh so tragic or oh so violent or oh so scary in very cliche ways you pair that with having actors with dwarfism play inherently inhuman characters who are shown to only be violent or subservient um it's kind of fucked up <laughs> kind of don't like no, it i understand that i think that there's there's always been a challenge with the curve on on recognizing that certain things that have become staples of a kind of storytelling are not keeping up with the knowledge of how things are and it's it's when you have something like mental illness yes it's been a, it's been a trope of horror where someone goes mad okay so so there's different kinds of going mad in horror right so there's there's the lovecraftian going mad where your your mind is exposed to something it can't comprehend and it snaps right right because the human brain is just too small right and now yeah. that there's there's the other one where it's a a character is being driven mad by an external force over a period of time that's a disintegrative kind of madness where you know the they're exposed to something over a long period of time and it comes they come up right an aspect of gaslight uh, an aspect of gaslighting about their reality right and it can be either done by an active human agency or it can be done by an external metaphysical agency and depending on how you do that is a lot of, you know, it's, it's, that's the kind of story you're telling is, are they being manipulated by people or is an external malevolent force wearing them down and cracking them? So now mm -hmm. because, you know, so we, you know, as someone else who, who deals, well, I, you know, I've got chronic depression. I deal with it all the time. Um, there's, there's a <laughs> viewpoint from the outside looking in that a lot of audiences, although they do and they don't realize it because of the sheer number of people who are suffering from one form of, of depression or anxiety or there's a, there's a huge spectrum. I don't know the word spectrum gets thrown around a lot for a lot of things, but there is a huge spectrum of mental illness. And some of it mm -hmm. ranges from very, very mild and very, very easily dealt with to extreme. And, and a mm -hmm. lot of it chemical imbalances yeah. in the brain and there's a lot of things that people do to deal with it and there's a lot of stigma that is attached to depression 
and anxiety and a huge range of other mental uh, ailments. Sometimes this has become, and this there's a, there's a realization that has become stronger in things like the military or the police, these high stress jobs where you can have a trauma event that can have long-term ramifications for a person's mental health. And for a long, long time, mm -hmm. these groups with their sort of, with, with very much a, it's got a, it, it, well, it's macho culture, right? It's, you cannot be mm -hmm. portrayed as weak. You cannot be, if you're dealing with a mental illness, you're weaker. Um, this has been mm -hmm. changing. Okay. This is something that is actually, uh, there is a, there's a real, we're seeing real change with this where people are recognizing uh, in these cultures that it's not weakness to be sick and to have a thing that you need to deal with, whether it's a short-term thing or a long-term thing, mental, mental trauma, mental illness is a real thing that, that these cultures are, are getting better at. But right. in, the lar in, the larger, in the larger community of culture, there's still this stigma that goes with mental illness and there is, and I, there's a, oh, so there, there's a writer's, there's a writing shorthand. Okay. This is a thing that you see in mostly televised media, whether it's film or television, a little mm -hmm. bit, a little bit in audio. You don't see it as much in books. Well, you do, but you, you, there's, there's the good writers you, because you can do a lot more on the printed page than you can on TV or in a movie, right? There's, you only have so many minutes in an episode or so many minutes in a movie. So writers do shorthand and a character with schizophrenia or a character with depression or a character with anxiety or a character with chronic, uh, uh, manic, depre uh, manic depression or, or all these different mm -hmm. things. Bipolar. Bipolar disorders. Yeah. You can, you can have these, uh, there's a shorthand that on one level, on a purely technical level, I understand you only have so much time to tell a story. Therefore, here's your, here's your marker. This person has schizophrenia. And considering that most people don't actually understand what schizophrenia actually entails, a lot of writers have sat there and gone, schizophrenia means this. And it's like, no, that's not what schizophrenia means. Um, this mm -hmm. show actually was one of the, and I'm going to use air quotes here that you can't see, better, better mm -hmm. displays mm -hmm. of schizophrenia um, for a given value of better. But at the same time, it is depicted as... Okay, nobody wants to be mentally ill. Everybody knows no. that. <laughs> it sucks. But it is also a thing that millions and millions and millions of people deal with and function with. So, yes, on one hand, I get it. The thought of losing your mind, of losing control, of losing that sense of self... And the control of yourself, yes, I completely understand the scariness aspect of that. I get to live with it occasionally. But... I still wouldn't sacrifice children that I know personally to a death cult. 
generally speaking, I find that that is an extreme reaction to pretty much anything. If you've gone right to the sacrificing <laughs> children to a death cult, you have a number of issues that are uh, uh, deeply rooted, and they're not just mental illness uh, of the standard thing. No, it's thing. not schizophrenia. So it's, it's, well, it's, okay, so it, it becomes a thing that some writers are good at and some writers are not. And I think that there is... Because there's so much going on here in this, because there's, it's like they picked up all these different scary things and threw them at each other, they, that instead of taking the time... They're desperate to juggle. Instead of taking the time to give to show their mother and Zoe and Alice and all of these characters the way they... I mean, the, her mom doesn't... The mom doesn't evolve as much, obviously. Uh, we 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 right. meet her in the institution. She ends in the institution. She's she's stable, but she's a danger to herself and others. So she's she's the, these are people that exist. She's not played for horror, yes. except for that one scene where you see her lash out, and that's she, that's. But that is referenced over yeah. and over again. That's referenced over and over again repeatedly, despite there being later in the series more flashbacks that could have been used as trauma points because these are all traumatic things that we that alice is shown remembering mm -hmm. this is a larger portion that i want to come back to where i think that this season has um less trust in its audience than previous seasons but i don't want to distract from this conversation about um the mental illness because there's a point that i sure. want to make about stigma and shorthand <laughs> that bothered me specifically. Yeah, I think I think and I, I I will wrap up what I'm going to say because I want you to talk about that because the the problem with all of this stuff going on means that instead of having Alice and Zoe have their their disintegration and their not I'm not going to use the word recovery because at the end of the end of the story Zoe isn't cured. Okay, this isn't there. There's not a magic wand where you cure this stuff. Zoe no. is dealing with it. I actually liked the she fact she has a support network. She is taking the medication she was provided. She was prescribed by a doctor, and she is she is functioning. And I liked that. I like the yes. fact that she is. She's got a support group. She ends up with a family unit. Yes. A beautiful family unit. It's a self-chosen family unit, which is a lot, which uh, you, you know, sometimes you get the support from your biological family that you need. Sometimes you get it from a support unit and a family unit that you create. I liked that. But I think that there is, there is real horror stories to be told between what these two young women went through. But there's and so they many, weren't given enough time. There's so many other things happening that the time necessary to develop that the way the way that I wanted it to be developed, the way that I wanted. And I admit, you know, this is this is us, you and I watching this. You know, it's we come mm -hmm. we come from our own our own viewpoints here. But you take that, you take cannibals, you take a, 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 fam a, a psychotic family, you take a, an elder god off in the distance, you take a corrupt police officer and his son and all these different things. 
and admittedly, you have got, you know, several episodes, you're not, you know, you've got multiple episodes to do this over. You've got six episodes to tell this story, but there's so much going on that the shorthand parts end up hurting what could be, I, I really want to see Rutger Hauer tear down a psyche who is afraid of going crazy and driving that person insane while the other character is struggling to find a place where they're functional and then getting there. That's a whole story right there. That's six episodes of storytelling, even leaving out the elder God and the cannibals and all these things. I mean, there's, you know. Right. That was the best parts of the series. The best writing were these characters trying, uh, bouncing off of one another when it, when it, and it gets distracted by the hokey 50s patriarchal cannibals and the tap dancing down a, a fucking hospital wing and just these, these, and chipmunk cheeks from. <laughs> Eraser head that isn't scary and is really ah oh. okay. So two different directions and one in one direction when it comes to stigma and reinforcing stigma through visual narration. There is a scene where Alice um, is being chased, literally chased, by the vision of Mister Schizophrenia, which changes over the course of the season, which I do think was a very smart move, that it just, it comes in different forms. It's always some twisted variation of Alice herself, but in this scene, in this sense, it's chipmunk cheeks being, being worn by a contortionist, which is kind of, kind of creepy, except that it's dressed like a mime, and that's not really scary. And anyway, so she's being chased by this, and she because this is a hospital that is part of the sacrifice zone, uh, it is being shut down and there aren't people manning their um, hordes of drugs. And so she finds the medication that was, I assume, either prescribed to her sister or she knows treats schizophrenia. And there is a shot of her dumping the pills on the floor in a slow-mo as they bounce. And it's just, oh, pills are scary. Medication's so scary. And then she takes it, and it cuts back to her, and she's humming to herself and rocking. And she just is totally out of it. And then she comes out of it enough to actually go and try to find Zoe again. And this is stigma. <laughs> well, not only that, it's not how medication works. Exactly. It is misinformation about, uh, it is framing medication as something terrifying, unnatural, uh, addicting, and it's just, it's playing into assumptions the audience may already house or assumptions that have been maintained through previous media about medication being an unnatural response to mental illness. As someone who is finally on medication that works for me, who has had to deal with not having that medication for several days because our fucking system is hogwash and uh, we need universal health care. Um, Amen. Fuck that. 
fuck that in the fucking... No. <laughs> no? Medication is fantastic when it is prescribed ethically. God, yes. I mean, I had... I was, I was very, very lucky when I got it... When I got into therapy... Oh God, I was 30 years old when I was finally diagnosed with chronic depression. And I had a very, very fantastic psychiatrist who was yeah. old school enough to not view medication as cure-all. Because it's not. Um, but it's an important... It can. It is an imperfect science. <laughs> it can be. And in some cases, is a, it is a very, very, very useful part of treatment. And I have at least one friend who I know for a fact would be dead without being on antidepressants. And they are very, they know this, they have acknowledged this, they've been very clear about this. They view the medication that they are taking as something that helped them live the life that they are living now, which is a very good life. I, conversely, did not get medication because my psychiatrist felt that I could learn to deal with my depression without it. But not everybody gets to do that. I'm very lucky in that regard. But if I had needed it, I would be on it. Yes. Because I I intend to have my brain work the way I want it to work. Yes. And it's important. So it's a it it is a I was so torn with this season for that reason. Because I loved the fact that Zoe ends up dealing with all the cr- all the crazy shit she's got to deal with, you know, cannibal gods and, and and psychotic families and her sister going crazy and all these things. She deals with her mental illness and comes out the other side, living and functioning with her mental illness as part of who she is. Extremely heroic character. She is self-sacrificing quite literally instead of um instead of allowing herself to eat what she is craving which is human meat she instead feeds off of herself and these are the other scenes in the in the show that are fucking great the scene with her in the bathtub is very hard to watch and that's what i watch horror for. oh yeah those moments where i go oh my god what am i watching ah ah please stop don't do that yeah. ah <laughs> yeah, and it's this is where this is where I think the show has its own it, uh, I almost said I almost said schizophrenic issues because I'm I'm enough of a horror junkie and old enough to have this stuff kind of programmed into my own vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So the show's own sense of not knowing what to do with how it's telling the story because because what they're doing with zoe's character i think is a very is a very positive as much as much positive as you can have in this context of showing someone dealing with mental illness and yet on the on the other on the other hand what how alice is handled is just wrong and lazy in a lot of instances is just lazy or it's a it's a matter of real estate there's just too much time spent in the other venues uh that clearly interest or at least seemed fun to the people running the show 
but you know it it ends up feeling imbalanced it feeds into that stigma um whether they whether whether they intended it to or not and admittedly you and i are coming from this at a very specific angle we are where we are inside we are inside a demographic that can look at this and go hang on i know some things yeah and so and so on one hand it's the larger audience may not see this on the other hand the larger audience should be aware the more i learn about how media affects those who watch it and this is something that you know the other seasons kind of addressed in their theming that the audience is stupid and you have to be aware that the audience is stupid and you shouldn't there's a responsibility that especially when it comes to these stigma and and vulnerable groups like there's there's other parts in the show where we we meet Izzy's mom. Izzy's mom is a very interesting character. We only see her for about one scene, but they still give the time to show that she does have a deep relationship with her with her daughter. She has a very abrasive parenting technique, but we see this hmm. We see this moment where they share a, like, I think she blows her daughter a kiss and her daughter immediately responds to it. And it's just a small piece of character acting and writing that shows these characters have an established deep relationship. That kind of care in showing a a mother who is not, who is disenfranchised, who is living in poverty, who is a single mom and and that has affected how she interacts that kind of care is deliberate because they didn't want to show her as a shitty mom they didn't they wanted to give the audience some and and Alice some reason to believe that her child was not hurt by her that kind of care should extend to things like mental illness that kind of care should extend to to contributing to stigma against um, pharmaceutical drugs and using pharmaceutical drugs for treatment of mental illness. Um, and they dropped the ball there, and I'm just, it, it directly affects me, so I'm a little pissed. I completely understand that. I think that I think it could have been solved by not having so many different oh, yes. pieces of story all spinning around at yeah. the same time. We got, we've got uh, um, uh, so Luke. His, you know, he's he's our he's our police officer character who is very. He doesn't he doesn't care at the beginning of the season. At the end of the season, he really does care, and he's become part of this family unit. There's a whole you know there's a story of him and his father who's been corrupted by the Peaches Clan. Um, and and has become a tool of theirs, who ends up trying to kill his own son, and then and then flips and and tries to because he realizes that he didn't kill his own son. He's become tries to defend his own son. Again, we have this this family dynamic thing that they've done really well in the first two seasons. That's a whole storyline in itself, and it's very it's very insular like it only affects these two characters and louise just kind of butts her head in yeah and 
and kind of drags him into drag ends up dragging Luke into the larger story with the Peach family. But if if you could spend the entire season doing that story, right? The young cop who discovers that his father is 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 a, the tool of a clan of of immortal cannibals. That's a whole story right there. This the season is so overstuffed with really interesting good. ideas that don't get developed or or get developed in in too quick too much of a quick and dirty way. Mhm. Quick and dirty, that's the perfect way of putting it. But then you can look at like Rutger Hauer giving a fantastic performance the entire season. You can look yeah, at 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 the the actresses playing Alice and Zoe giving fantastic performances. I, I have a Oh yes, definitely. Uh Howard unfortunately by the end of the season I realized how one note he was. He never really left the I'm a creepy man who speaks really low in my register and you get the sense that maybe I'm playing you, but you don't really have any room to say that I'm playing you, so... I'm not doing a very good... He doesn't react to the god. He doesn't react to the god. He doesn't react to his family dying. He just kind of sits there, and he never leaves his register. He never screams. He never cries. He never shows any real emotion besides being smug. I actually enjoyed the fact that the peaches are all stagnant. They are all one-note characters because they don't change. And so when you do, he does react to, he has, he cries when he sees his, his dead family members. It's one little tiny scene. And when he finally faces off against the pestilent God at the end and he curses the pestilent God, it's still in that same dead kind of, Okay. I... Pleasant. So, so I actually like the fact, again, but again, it's a thing that kind of comes across as underdeveloped. So if you don't see it and you don't see it that way, I completely understand that too, because again, too much, not enough time. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think it just, it's, there's, not, there's too much stuff in here. Right. I, there's two things that I want to say before we, we wrap this up because we Yeah. Ranted quite a bit, but it's getting to an hour and 30 minutes. Um, so one of the things that really disappointed me about this season was its lack from the showrunners, from the director and editor's point of view, the lack of trust in the audience. Um, I've mentioned before that there were flashbacks to specifically um, the violent episode of Alice and Zoe's mother. Um, that is shown over and over and over again within the context of a traumatic moment for Alice. However, as the as the season progresses, we get more little moments of fear and other moments in Alice's life that were extremely traumatic, including uh, her sister having a manic episode that results in her being so distressed that she doesn't recognize Alice. Mm -hmm. Zoe does not recognize Alice and has to be taken away from the police. Within the context of turning into her mother or her sister, this is an important flashback to use. However, because the whoever edited this show together did not want to show clips of that flashback 
before it was shown in its entirety to the viewer. They did not trust to hint at these moments before the actual moment. So they were stuck with the established moment with mom in the bed, being naked, singing to herself, singing a nursery rhyme to herself, rocking back and forth, just being really super cliche and creepy. Then there's another moment where they have a character who one of the peaches is hurt, um, presumably dead, and the characters leaves his corpse. And then when they return, his corpse is left. And Louise says he couldn't have gone far in his condition. Luke replies his condition was dead, which could have been funny, but just read as we really want the audience to understand that he was fucking dead. <laughs> Another moment. They reference the painting Incubus, or the Nightmare, where um, a girl is asleep and a creepy vision is sitting on her chest or just above her head, staring down at her. They do this with one of the henchmen, children, and Alice. And just in case you didn't get the reference, they put the painting in the scene with the chess match. It just, you guys don't freaking trust us. And the biggest issue, the biggest issue, is when the schizophrenia monster keeps coming back, they keep overlaying the first instance of Mr. Schizophrenia popping up in her brain meets, just so you know that it's the same character. Compare that to the first episode of of Candle Cove, which is... Honestly, a better edited and thematic visual juxtaposition of a mentally unstable point of view character than anything they do in this show, in this season. Compare that to the absolutely confusing editing, showing bits and pieces of a flashback and then actually showing it in full, having moments where... Um, Mike is a child experiencing the same thing that he is experiencing as an adult. It's extremely chaotic, and it did a wonderful job of creating suspense and of creating the sense that Mike is either fucking crazy or he's at least experiencing or he's experiencing something supernatural. Yeah. And just the lack of the confidence in the first two seasons is not there in this one. Because they threw so many things into this, everything ends up suffering because there's just too many, there's too many plates in the air. There's too many things going on that, like I said, there's, you could focus on one of two of these things, just pick two, just any two. I don't care. Just pick two. And and yes. focus on them for the entire six episodes. The things that they did pick weren't necessarily all that great. Like, there's, their monster is schizophrenia. There is a line that Alice says to Zoe. Two lines that made me extremely frustrated. I feel like I'm catching on fire in slow motion. And our whole lives we've been on the edge of something. These are great metaphors for... A, a version of, of latent mental illness. Would have been great if we saw it 
visually. Catching on fire in slow motion? That's a cool image. Being on the edge of something about to topple over? That's a cool image. Instead, we have masks and chase scenes and rip-offs from, like, the fucking... You aren't even... Do you know what the death character in Eraserhead is supposed... Why the chipmunk chinks are there? Because it's not just because chipmunk chinks are scary. <laughs> it's because death is supposed to be both alluring and... And disgusting and repellent. Schizophrenia is not alluring. Why is it a pretty girl? I... Mm. Yeah, I know. It, and the and the god the god is so underdeveloped and not scary the god has <sighs> within the writing the god is useless because it lets a child escape from its realm twice what the first time the child the child didn't have any help and we don't see how they escaped but apparently they escaped and not only did it so well but they were also able to chew their way through the walls of the stupid bullshit house and hide there and not be captured <laughs> i know yeah it's newt from aliens oh yeah they, they let it they let a a woman with a coke problem who has several leg injuries carry a 60 pound child out of several hallways and the god just kind of stands there and is like, hey, could you please not? And they don't know how to frame the god because they keep doing slow zooms or, or sudden zooms onto its face while there's like music blaring. And that's so cheap. That's so like baby's first horror film. <laughs> uh... And you have a god that's you're having a god that's asking for human sacrifice and its head is a prey animal. Yeah. Is it because horns are scary? Well, sure. Of course. Why does it have the cosmos in its cloak? Why does the cosmos boring and black and white and look more like ink drops than actual... Like, the universe is beautiful. Why are all of these super long shots of the universe so boring? I don't feel like I'm going crazy looking at this show. I don't. Yeah. It's... it's... <laughs> There's so much. There's so much material to mine here, for for a stronger story. Um, that it, there's just. I mean, it's so scattershot. There's so much going on that it, it just it it wounds. It wounds the storytelling to a point where it does. I can like individual scenes. I can like individual performances, and still come away a very ultimately very disappointed. In the, in the whole thing, even though I can sit there and say, yeah, these actors did a good job, or that was a cool visual, or or this part was interesting. These were small moments of character writing that were really strong or very creative. Yeah, and then, but overall, the, the totality of it ends up being very... Just disappointing. Just disappointing. I mean, it's... You know, it, I'm, it's, it's better than a lot of other crappy horror out there. But that's damning yeah. with faint praise because better yeah. doesn't mean particularly good. So it's... it's Yeah, I, I, I mentioned this to my roommate. I was very incensed when I had finished watching this <laughs> season. And so I met on many rants and mostly it was just like, Pat, Pat, sorry, dumbass. I'm sorry you didn't like your show, Pat, Pat, Pat. 
but uh one of my one of my roommates was like this sounds like a bad season of american horror story and i was like it was supposed to be better than American Horror yeah. Story. Well, American but a, Horror Story. American Horror Story at least comes at you with the premise that this is going to be over the top and faintly ridiculous. So if you are going yes. into American Horror Story not expecting it to be over the top and faintly ridiculous, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, there's right. a certain amount of that kind of show. I mean, come on, any show where you put Jessica Lang up against was it Jessica Lang up against Lady Gaga? I mean, come on, you you have. <laughs> I didn't know Lady you, Gaga was. A oh yeah, she was. I think it was la- not this current season, but the previous season. But you have to expect that the, that the writers are going to have a certain amount of giggle factor in the writing room. Oh yeah, and it's pop horror. It is, and it's meant to be. It's going to be playing with cliches because the whole point of it was American horror story it's there in the show it's going to be playing with established right stuff and that's fine but we came to channel zero well i stayed in channels i was excited for channel zero because it seemed to be taking a more serious and and loving approach like the amount of love and care and enthusiasm that were in the previous seasons spoke to me as a creator like these were people that not only greatly enjoyed horror but wanted to elevate and encourage horror from other people i'm never going to let down the fact that (laughs) never mind i won't mention it just a fucking performer anyways said that a million times but this season lacked that enthusiasm and care it it you could very you could start with the whole premise that they the first two seasons took creepy pasta stories and expanded them and took you know but they, they had a core piece of story to work from at the end of the day mm. the biggest the, the 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 i think the the real thing that this season lacks is a story from the source material they took a staircase yeah. in the middle of nowhere and built a mythology around it. And, and that's fine. And that's well and good. And you can do that by all means. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not, that's a bad idea. I'm saying in this particular case, the structure that they had to build on with uh, no end house and the structure they had to build on with candle cove, they had, a framework that they could actually do something with and expand and take in what this direction or that direction that here they really didn't do. They had a staircase right. in the middle of nowhere. And they could do anything. And so they tried to do everything. And and that's where it went wrong. Unfortunately, yeah. And unfortunately, I think they just wanted to tap into, into staples of the horror genre. And they didn't do a very good job of subverting them. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with telling a cult story or a cosmic horror story or a cannibalism story. But at the end of the day, if your fucking story, if this is what you give me, I'd rather watch Snowpiercer because at least that has interesting things to say about, about capitalism and cannibalism that no amount of 
of showing me disembodied arms. Why was it always arms? <laughs> disembodied arms is going to because I have fingers. Make up for that. We all we all we all I recognize a hand at the end of a disembodied arm. It's an obvious thing. I mean, it's a, okay. it's a. But why not little feetsies? Uh, because hands are creepier. I guess. Maybe I don't know. I mean, yeah, personally, I, I you don't know, know, personally, I'm, I'm, you know, again, I, the technical stuff, I was like, oh, that's a great press, that's a great fake arm, it looks great, okay, cool, you know, it, it doesn't scare me, <laughs> yeah. but, but then again, gore doesn't, gore doesn't, gore doesn't bother me. Uh, what did you think of Joseph's death and how it looked like they they had a CG rig that they wanted to make look like a practical explosion? <laughs> And they were just, they wanted to show, they did not need to show it from that many angles. Anyway, so, uh, next week, uh, well, our plan was we were going to do season four episode by episode, but we were going to start it on the week that it, it actually came out. Well, I think, I think we do the same thing because having watched okay. the next season, I'm very interested to see what you think. Cause I have some opinions. On, on the next season. Oh, you've already watched I've it. I've already okay. watched it and and I will say this off the bat. I think it's beautiful. I think it's shot beautifully. But I have some issues because I Oh no. Oh yeah. No, I definitely have some issues. But um I think I think uh I the cinematography is very very nice. I'm I'm very pl- okay. there's some I they do some beautiful things with wide shots. That I love a good wide shot because things happen in the corners. Um, mm, ooh, but ooh. but I do have issues, so I'm very interested to see what you think about it because I'm very interested to see what you think about it. So I'm just that's all I'm going to say because okay. I don't want to go any spoilers for you because you haven't watched it yet. But yes, and I don't I don't want them. I'm excited now, so I guess we'll see you guys next week with season four of Channel Zero. Um, we'll be covering the entire season again. Let us know uh, what you thought of these last couple of seasons. Right now, my ranking is is No End House, Candle Cove directly under it, like rubbing up against the ceiling of the previous entry. Uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then in the 10 slot is Butcher's Block. <laughs> and I'm interested where... What's the next season called? Uh, the Dream Door. Right, you're right. Right. Yeah, I'm interested to see where I play Stream Door. Well, you can find us on Twitter. You can uh, find us on iTunes and podcast.com. If you guys want to follow us, that would be fantastic. You can subscribe to us there. Uh, we'd love to have you follow us on Twitter. And we'd love to hear what you think. Um, if you would love to, if you could leave us a comment or a rating on iTunes or podcast.com, that stuff is always helpful for other people finding the show. And let us know what you think about these shows. And, uh, you know, are you finding them scary? Are you, you know, did you really, really enjoy Butcher's Block and you think we're completely insane? Yes. And the best kind of insane where, you know, <laughs> you've heard, you you have a better rant for us. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, yeah, that's, that's always cool. Enjoy your week and we will see you next time. Family Movie Nightmares, produced by Nikki Cave and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.